Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And really quick, uh, I want to just make note, because I can, because I'm up here. Uh, Parents, if you have teenagers... Um, on Thursday nights, I have the privilege here of being our, our youth pastor and, and young adults. And if you have teenagers, we meet on Thursday nights for what we call crews, which are small groups. But coming up at the end of the month in October, uh, on the 23rd, we gather monthly uh, for, a, for a night of worship and a message. And there's always free food and games and all of that. So if you have a teenager, we'd love to connect with them. Uh, after the service, we'll be out in the lobby. Some of our team will be out there. I'll be out there. Um, but October 23rd, if you have teenagers. All right, cool. Just wanted to make that uh, make that note in there. But Ephesians chapter 2, uh, I'm actually going to read one verse before we jump into Ephesians chapter 2, if that's all right, uh, just to kind of set some framework or some groundwork for where we're going to be going today. And uh, so if you want to turn there, you can. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to land. Uh, but I'm going to kick off in Exodus chapter 34. The Bible says this. Hear, hear what the Bible says here. This is actually when Moses, maybe you know the story, Moses is, uh, Moses is pleading with the, with the Lord that he would show him his glory. He says, Lord, I want to see your glory. And the Lord is going through this, this conversation with Moses and says, I cannot show you my face. Uh, I, I, cannot, I cannot show you all of me, but here's what I'll do. I will, I will close your eyes and I will pass by you and then I will remove the, uh, the, my hand over your face and you'll be able to see my back, you'll be able to see a glimpse of my glory. Uh, but the Lord, as he often does, goes a step further and actually says something to Moses that is extremely powerful. Exodus chapter 34 says this in verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. And proclaimed the name of the Lord. So the Lord is actually proclaiming his own name out loud to Moses. Goes a step further than what Moses had asked for. And he says this. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. By no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so Moses made haste. After hearing all of this, he made haste and bowed his head toward the earth. Hear me, when somebody tells you something about themselves, it's wise to listen, right? But when God tells you something about himself, it is imperative that we lean in. There are depths to what God is saying here. And of all of the things God could have spoken to Moses from the very beginning of Scripture, of all of the things that God could have uttered to describe himself, he wanted to make abundantly clear that one of the first things that you and I begin to understand about his character and his nature is that he is gracious. It is who he is. It's not just what he does, but it actually is a part of everything that is him. In fact, we'll find in scripture throughout much of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, that the indictment on God is not that he is angry. You may have heard it said today that that God is angry, that he is frustrated, that he's actually waiting, searching for you to make a mistake so that he can get you. But the reality is, as we see throughout all of scripture, it's not actually the case. 
In fact, the, the frustration towards God by the people of God is actually that he was too gracious, too merciful, too forgiving, too long-suffering, too, to, too slow uh, in, 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 in like getting people that they wish that he would go get, right? That he was actually too gracious towards people that were even enemies, even people that we would look at and say, see, they, they deserve that. God would, was slow and patient with him. Graciousness is part of his nature. It's much of who he is. And he wanted to make it clear from the beginning that this is who he is. And Paul, writing to the Ephesians church in Ephesians 2, is echoing this sentiment to a church um, that has maybe um, not fully accessed the gift of grace to the extent that it was given. And he is writing to this Ephesians church to encourage them, to woo them, to keep going, to keep pursuing God and keep unraveling this gift that is, that is God's grace. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 is where we pick up. It says this, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even what, here's what you're going to notice. Uh, Paul doesn't like really like punctuation. Okay. So there's a lot of like run on sentences here. So like, just bear with me. All right. With his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace that you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come that he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Watch this, here it is again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should be able to boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Title of this message today, if you're taking notes, is there's layers to this. There's layers to this. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your presence, for your grace and your mercy that is here right now. Holy Spirit, I ask that through this message, you would speak to us more loudly than anything else that we hear. God, that you would make it known to us more of your character and your nature, that we would not stop at any moment in, in, in seeking to understand who you are and your work in our life. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd speak to each and every one of us, that we would leave a little bit more aware of your goodness and your grace than when we came in, and a little bit more like you. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Amen. If, if you were to be asked the question, now this isn't like, I'm not asking you to yell it out, okay? Uh, this isn't like a trick question like Preston often throws out there. Uh, if, if you were to be asked, what is it that separates Christianity from all other religions in the world, how would you respond? If somebody were to just say, hey, what's different about Christianity than every other religion that I see? I'll just tell you, it is, it is grace. This is where we're going today. It is, it is the goodness of God, the kindness of God on display through the gift that is, that is grace. This is what separates Christianity from all other religions. Because religion says, if you do enough, maybe, just maybe, you'll get to God. 
Now, however you want to, whatever religion you're talking about, however you want to define God, however you want to label him, whatever religion you want to attach, the reality is, is as you dig in, all of them display that if you do enough, maybe, just maybe, you will be able to get to him. Maybe, just maybe, you'll be able to access him. But Christianity says God has already done everything. All you must do is simply receive and be. Religion says, do enough and maybe you'll be able to be. But Christianity, the grace of God, says receive. In fact, what we're going to see is that actually in Christianity, in following Jesus, it is God who is the initiator in our faith. Our we are the responders to what God has already initiated. That grace came first and our response is faith. Throughout all of scripture, what you'll find in each of, in each of the books of the Bible is that there tends to be this theme. There, there tends to be a theme that you can kind of identify. And in Ephesians, the, the theme is this. The, the Apostle Paul is writing from a prison cell in Rome. Okay, just, just catch this glimpse for a second. He is writing from a prison cell in Rome to the Ephesians who aren't in prison telling them about the goodness of God's grace. Can you just imagine for a second, like Paul, you've got a bunch of other things you could probably talk about right now, right? And he, he says, hey, I'm thankful for your concern for me while I'm in prison. I, I really appreciate that, that you are praying for me and that you are concerned about me, um, but I'm concerned about you, Paul is writing, saying, hey, I think, and, and really this is a picture of much of the Christian church today, I believe that, that many Christians have a tendency to neglect the grace of God to the extent that it was given. We maybe access grace as it relates to our salvation, but we believe it stops there. Oh, but his grace is so much more than that. There are layers to this. Now, th this, is not, this is not to say that there's levels. I want to be clear. We're talking about layers here, not levels. This is not some ascension that we've got, okay? This is not like you're step one, you're at step two. No, this is more of like an onion that as you begin to peel it back, you realize that there is more and more to what you saw from the beginning. Maybe you've received a gift once before that was a gift and you opened it up and all of a sudden there was a gift inside of it. And then you opened that one and there was another gift inside of that one and, and it was just this progression of, of you just getting more and more joyful of what was inside. I, th I thought about bringing my, one of my little daughter's toys that, you ever seen those little cups, the cups that like go in each other and there's like eight layers, right? Like those toys, moms, you know what I'm talking about, those toys you give your kids so that you could do anything in the house, right? Like there's plenty, it, it'll take them time to kind of figure this thing out. So you, you give them that so that you have like five minutes to go do whatever you possibly need to do, right? It's this thing that keeps people busy. Right, keeps young, keeps young children busy. Maybe you've seen those dolls that, that you open up the doll and there's another doll inside and then you open up that one and there's another doll inside. So it is with grace. That as you begin to dive into the grace of God and understand the goodness of God, what you'll begin to see is that there are layers to this. There is even more to this gift, the, the gift the Bible says in Ephesians 2, than you and I could even comprehend that it would actually take a lifetime and even then some for us to truly understand the grace of God and Paul's writing and, and the theme of this this chapter this this book of Ephesians is is the Christian's riches in Christ he'll go on to mention both the Holy Spirit and grace in every single chapter in Ephesians grace is what separates 
Christianity. And so what we first must do, the first question that we must answer today is this, what is grace? What, what really is grace? What is this grace that we talk so much about? And here it is, grace is the undeserved kindness of God. It is unmerited favor. We see throughout scripture that grace is actually personified in the person of Jesus. Here's another definition. Grace is the divine enablement to be and to do that which I could not do for myself. It's the divine enablement to be and to do that which I could not do for myself. It's pretty simple, actually. This following Jesus, actually, though, though there is a depth to grace that we are going to even just begin to dip our toe into today, um, the, the, the simplicity of this gospel that is Jesus, that God initiated, we respond. The simplicity is actually what is so often difficult for people to understand. And what we'll see is that even for Christians, after receiving the, the saving grace of God, is still tends to be difficult for us to truly wrap our, wrap our mind around. I want to give you three layers today of this grace. And again, this is not an exhaustive list. Please do not tell me that grace is more than this because you're right, it is. Um, I have 30 minutes, okay? So we're going to do the best that we got here, okay? Number one, that we are saved by grace. There's layers to this and, and there is a depth to this, but we got to understand where it begins is that we are saved by grace. Saved from what? From death. From from eternal separation from God who created all things and me. From the God who loves and cares for us. We, without this saving grace, we are destined for eternal separation from, from God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 24 says this. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. And everybody said amen. amen. The Bible says that because of our sin, and hear me, you're, you, you're, we are all sinners, the Bible says. Okay, and because of that sin, because of the sin that is just in this world, because of the darkness that is just in this world, that, that the wages of our sin is death. That actually what we deserve, what we are headed towards, just naturally as being on this earth is death, is eternal separation. But God in his grace and in his goodness sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not if you do enough good works, not if you are nice enough to the people around you, not if you string enough things together that your reputation actually is pretty good, but, 
if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, if you respond to the grace of God in faith, you're saved. And it's important to understand that that saving grace is absolutely necessary for your life and for mine. Because without it, we are headed for destruction. And we don't need any directions along the way. Like, we're good. Like, but it was, it's his goodness, it's his kindness. And, and there had to be a blood sacrifice in order for us to be, to be saved. The Bible says that Jesus stepped down from heaven did not, did not equate equality with it. Like he gave up his equality with God, gave up his seat in heaven to come to this earth and be the sacrifice that we needed. Hear this, grace is God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. Grace is what God was willing to do for us because of his overwhelming compassion. He was moved with compassion to the point that he sent his son to be the sacrifice for you and for me. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, In him, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. It was his blood that actually redeemed us. The forgiveness of sins according to the what? The riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Acts 15 verse 11 says, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, hear this, you'll never truly appreciate his grace until you understand how absolutely necessary it really is. And this grace, though it is free, it was not cheap. Parents, you know this, right? Like everything in your house and that house by itself is free to your kids. But it, it costs you every week. You know, it, it costs you every, that food that they eat without ever considering where it came from, free to them. But, but not, not to you, it, it, it costs to you. This grace, it is free. It is a free gift. It is the free gift of God that all other gifts flow from. Oh, but it was not, it was not cheap. It was extremely expensive. In fact, scripture will go on to say that, that you were bought, you and I were bought with a, with a very high price. It was the son of almighty God. That is this grace. But there's, there's layers to this, right? And, and some of us here might be, might be saying, you know what? Because when we talk about grace, we have a tendency, right, to say, well, hold on, hold on a second. We, let's make sure we don't, let's make sure when we're talking about grace, we don't give people more excuse to go sin, okay? Right, like maybe you've heard this before, that, that there's, this, there's this idea out there that the grace of God actually gives people license to sin. Paul will speak of this in scripture and he'll say the grace of God doesn't actually give me more license to go sin. No, actually grace is not an excuse to live a life of sin, but rather it is the divine enablement to be all that he's called you to be and to do all that he has set aside for you to do. Grace is a, continually, a continual reminder that there is more for you, that there is a greater level of God's goodness he wants you to receive and access in this earth. It, it does not give us a license to go on and do whatever we want. In fact, no, it is actually the divine enablement to do what God wants in our life. 
His grace is, is that good, but there, are, but there are layers to this. Number two is this, that we are sealed by grace. We are sealed by grace. Ephesians chapter one and verse 13 says this. In him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, watch this, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. You know, he's, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. That we are the purchase, that God purchased us and that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. You got to understand today that the Holy Spirit is the seal of God's grace on your life. The Bible will talk about that it actually in this, one of the words that is, is often translated here, guarantee also earnest, right? Those of you that purchased a house, you know, earnest money that if you're going to complete this transaction, there must be an earnest deposit to, to secure this transaction. The Holy Spirit is that earnest deposit in your life and in my life saying, I have bought them with a high price. They are mine. It speaks of ownership, it speaks of security and purpose. It says you are mine and you're not mine because you were born mine. You're mine because I chose you. Scripture will go on in Ephesians 2 and 3 and say that we are adopted. There is a choice involved with this, friend. And God wanted you and me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die a death that we deserve so we can live a life that only he deserved. And he went a step further to seal you and me with the presence of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in many parts of Europe, this word, this word guarantee or earnest is also translated engagement ring. And actually that word is still used in Europe to this day in some places to resemble an engagement ring. Hear this, the Holy Spirit is an engagement ring on you to continually remind you of where you're headed. To continually remind you of the love of God in your life. To continually remind you of the grace of God in your life. He is an engagement ring that God has said, you are mine and I want you to know about it every single day. But Paul is writing to an Ephesian church that has stopped their understanding of God's grace in their life. Oh, it saves me. Yes, it does. But it goes a step further to continually remind you through the presence of the Holy Spirit that you are his. Titus chapter 3. I'm actually not going to read the first couple of verses. We're going to skip down to verse 4. Titus chapter 3 and verse 4 says this. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love... He saved us, not because of the righteous things that we had done, absolutely not, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Christ Jesus, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. But watch this. My belief about how he perceives me is directly connected to my understanding of my position in relation to him. What does that mean? That means this, that, that if you don't understand your position in the kingdom, if you don't understand that, that you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, that there is no, like there's no going back on this transaction. God has already gone all in on this transaction. There's no going back. 
that, that, that God doesn't remove his spirit from you when you do bad, that actually the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is actually to give you the strength so that you can do good, and that when you do wrong, the Holy Spirit convicts you and says, hey, that's not you. You're so much more than that. God's got more for you than that. Come on, let's go. Let, let, hey, let, okay, you're headed here. Let's, let's, let's course correct here. Let's go down this road. When you don't understand your position with him, you will constantly be swayed by the wind thinking, is God, is God mad at me or is he pleased with me? Is, is, God, is God smiling at me right now or has he kind of turned his face? Is he, he's probably disappointed in me because because I totally cussed that person out next to me that, that like, drove in front of me. Um, nobody was in my car, though, so, like, it was just me, but, like, I, I, think, he's, I think he heard it, and I think, he's, I think he's disappointed with me, and, oh, man, I, I read my Bible seven days in a row. I bet, the, I bet God is, like, I bet he is just, like, so proud of me, and, but what you got to understand is he's always proud of you because you're his kid. He, he is not as swayed as we are. And hear this, you can be confident in your position and his perception of you. Because why? Because he was confident enough in his love for you to send his spirit to dwell in you. He, he was so confident in his love for you that he was never going to leave, that he was never going to forsake you, that he was never going to go back on this transaction. The Bible says that he, he is not a God that he can lie. He does not change his, he, he, he does not lie. He is not, he does not change his mind about you. He was so confident in his love for you that he said, you know what? I'm giving them the fullness of my spirit. And I will not withdraw it. I, I'm actually going to lead them and I'm going to guide them into truth. In fact, Jesus, the personification of grace will say before he ascends back into heaven, he says, it is, it is good that I go away. To which we'd respond, how could that possibly be? He said, because I am going to send my spirit to you. And he will lead you. He will tell you of things to come. He will teach you of the things that I have taught you. He will tell you things that I haven't even had time to teach you yet. And he will lead you into all truth. You, have, you and I have been sealed by grace. And number three is this, that we are sustained by grace. We're sustained by grace. Again, Paul writing to an Ephesians church that has neglected to access the grace of God to the extent that it was gifted. How many of you would open up a present on Christmas and then like leave it in the box? Be like, oh, thank you so much. Like, but you just leave it there. No, we would never do that, right? We would, we, would, we would never do that. Unless, like, like, you bought something and, like, your wife was like, okay, this is stupid. Like, I'm for sure returning this tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, but, like, the reality is that's not how we open gifts, right? Like, we're, as humans, we're even, like, trivial enough to, like, fake like something and pretend to play with it for a little bit until they forget about it and then return it, right? But we don't leave a gift in a box. We don't leave it there under the tree. We, no, when we get a gift, we... We, we take it out. We, we start looking at, oh, what can, what can this all do? And the Ephesians church is kind of just neglected to access this gift. And Paul is writing saying, hey, like you've got to understand there are layers to this goodness of God, this kindness of God, this grace of God, the gift of God. And, and I desire, again, Paul is writing in prison, desiring that they, he is more concerned about them than they are of him because they have failed to access 
access the grace to the extent that it was gifted. And I wonder for us, have we done the same thing? We are sustained by grace. Grace can be present, but not accessed. You got to know this, that just because you have the seal of the Holy Spirit, the seal of grace in your life, the Holy Spirit is the deposit of all of God's grace in your life, that you have the access to grace in your life does not mean that you actually access it. It, it is entirely possible that you have been saved by grace. You understand the position that you have in Christ Jesus as a result of responding to that grace and faith and yet try to live your life on your own every single day. It, it is entirely possible that God has given you all of his grace that you need to do what God has called you to do and yet still try to do it on your own. It, it, has to be, it has to be accessed, that, that it, it needs to be something that we continue to go and say, hey, Holy Spirit, I, I, I need your help in this area. You say, you say, how do you access the grace of God? This, I need your help. That's how you access the grace of God, the sustaining grace of God. Hey, God, I'm going into a meeting and I, I, I don't know what this meeting holds for me, but Holy Spirit, I, I just need patience. I need your patience right now. Please grace me with your patience. And you know, what the, you know what the Bible says? He does. Like he does. God, I, my kids, I, I don't know, like husband and wife doesn't get home till five and it is 11 a.m. And I don't know how I'm gonna make it through this day without, you know, I mean, Holy Spirit, I need, I need your, I need your grace right now. So I don't smack one of these kids, right? Like I, I need, I need I need your grace. I need your grace. It, it is, it's actually very simple. It's help me, help me. But, but, but this, isn't, this isn't how we like to live life in this world that we live in right now, right? Like we're, we don't really like to ask for help. We don't really like to need help. No, it is, it is, it is celebrated to not need help from anyone. It's celebrated to be a self-made person, isn't it? but not, not in the kingdom. In, in the kingdom, it is how quickly can you say, I have no clue what's going on. God, I need you. And the Bible says that he gives you the strength and the grace that you need. Look at Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find what? Grace to help us when we need it most. It's that simple, that because you have been saved by grace and sealed by grace, you should be confident in your position enough to walk boldly into the throne room of God and say, God, I need your grace today. Holy Spirit, I'm gonna need your help big time because to be honest, I have a glimpse of what I'm headed towards, but you know better and I'm, I ain't gonna make it through this day without you. I need your grace. Look at Titus chapter two. In verse 11, it says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly possessions and to live life self-control. I mean, you know, like without the grace of God, you got no shot to live this life self-control. Upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are very eager, eager to do what is good. Does that mean it means that actually what you need to do the good things that God has set aside in advance for you to do as a follower of Jesus is grace. It's his grace. That I, 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 I need his sustaining grace in my life that I could do what he's called us to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says, And God is able to make all grace abound, all grace abound toward you, that you always, hear this, always having all sufficiency, sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. In abundance of what? Of his grace. For every good work that you desire to do. Hear me, Paul will go on to say, the things that I don't want to do, I do. The things that I do want to do, I don't do. And, and what we find is that the things that you desire to do, those good things that you know God has set aside for you to do, that you're having trouble actually walking in, what do you truly need in order to walk in those and to find strength to get through it? More of his sustaining grace. More of the, more access to, you need access more of his grace. And how do we do that? Holy Spirit, I need your help. You know, you know just as well as I do that I need, I need your help. You didn't have the power to sustain yourself or you didn't have the power to save yourself and you still don't have the power to sustain yourself. Your willpower is worthless when you realize that his power is already at work within you. And Paul figured this out. Paul figured this out when he said, in his letter to the Corinthian church, he's saying, do, do I boast in my, in my gifts, in my, in my strengths? Absolutely not. He's like, hey, I, I've actually, since I met Jesus, I've got a resume that actually speaks pretty good of me. Like my reputation precedes me in a lot of places in a good way since I have found, found Jesus. But do I boast in all of that? Absolutely not. Cause I know I didn't do anything to actually get there. In fact, what I've found, Paul will go on to say in, in, in his letter to the Corinthian church, he said, what I've found is that in my weakness, I am strong. That the more I boast in my weakness, the more of his grace I get to be strong here. So what am I going to do? Oh, I am weak. Remember that, that, that doesn't sell well in a job interview, does it? Like that doesn't sell well in the world that we live in right now. That's like, oh. Like, like when was the last time you went to coffee and you like competed for like, who was the weakest? No, like, what do we do? We're like, oh man, like I did this like last month. Like, what did you do? And they're like, oh, I did this. And you're like, man, I did a little bit better. You know, and it's like, you know, like, but you only talk about the things that you did well in the last month, right? Because you're trying to, like, we don't, we don't go to coffee and be like, hey man, so here are all the ways that I failed this month. You know, how did you fail? Mm, I did this and. Oh, but we are strong in the, like that. we don't do that. But Paul says, you know what I've figured? I've figured out the key to life. The faster I admit my weakness, the faster I find strength through his grace. The faster I admit that I need help, the quicker I see his grace at work in my life in that, in that area. 
Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The spirit of God, verse 11, who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies. By what? By his same spirit living within you. Verse 32, he who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us, for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Paul is writing and saying, you know what I've learned? If, if God sent Jesus, like what else would he do to send his spirit to us that we might actually, like it will lead us into all good things. He said, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? But it requires us to respond. He initiated by grace. We respond in faith. We access the layers of his grace through faith. Understanding that I'm not God, that I don't have it all together, that I can't make it through. No matter how good I do, it pales in comparison to what I could do when I walk in step with the grace of God in my life. It requires humility. It requires us to step back and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need you, I need your help. But the helper can only help if he is allowed to help. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. Today, I believe that God wants you to know that it is in his nature, it is foundational to his character to be gracious, that his grace abounds for you today. We are saved by his grace that we are sealed by his grace and we are sustained by his grace. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.